0: Welcome to Cross Communities Podcast. We're glad you're here to listen today. We hope that today's message will strengthen your faith and help you to love God and people more. Well, I would invite you to take your Bible however you Read your Bible, whether that's in book form like this, or whether that's on an app or your phone, whatever. However you do that, go ahead and get your Bible and open them to Ephesians chapter 3, verse 14, that Deidre so beautifully read to us. You may think, well, wait, I thought we were talking about honest prayers and you've been talking about grief and anger. Yes, yes. We have been, and today I want to read an honest prayer to you from a pastor. I'm getting ready to head on vacation, looking forward to that. Love you guys, but I'm going to be gone for a few weeks. Need to rest, need to be alone with my family, need to be alone with just Lori. (laughs) We're going to get to do some of that too, which will be great. But I wanted you to hear this today. I wanted you to hear a prayer from a pastor's heart. See, Paul is writing this to a church. and Some scholars that I read this week said it may not have been just specifically to Ephesus because they found some older manuscripts that, that leave out the, at the very beginning that this is to the church of Ephesus. And they kind of wonder, was this one of those circular letters that Paul wrote and, and whoever was reading it was just supposed to insert whatever church he was at. So maybe this is for us today. For the church Cross Community Church in Portage, Michigan in the year 2021, hear what Paul, Pastor Paul writes. For this reason, I kneel before the Father from whom every family in heaven and on earth derives its name. I pray that out of His glorious riches, you should underline His, Important. That's the important word right there. His glorious riches. He may strengthen you with power through His Spirit in your inner being, so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith. And I pray that you all, being rooted and established in love, may have power together with all the Lord's holy people to grasp. How wide and how long and how high and how deep is the love of Christ. And to know this love that surpasses knowledge. That you may be filled to the measure of all the fullness of God. Everybody say all. All the fullness of God. Not part of the fullness of God. Not some of it. Not a little bit. Not a pinch. Not a skosh. But how much? All the fullness of God. Now to Him who is able to do immeasurably more than all we could ask or imagine according to His power that is at work within us, to Him be glory in the church and in Christ Jesus throughout all generations forever and ever. Amen. This is the Word of God for the people of God. And our response is, thanks be to God. Lord Jesus, I pray that as I borrow this prayer from Pastor Paul, that you would open our hearts to its good news. I pray that we would hear your calling. For us, your church. And I pray in every way that Jesus would be glorified. In his name, amen. Well, today, my heart is full. (laughs) Had a really good week. How many of you traveled down to Indian Lake for the camp meeting? Any of it, a couple of times, yeah. Yeah. Great messages. Man, it was just a beautiful time. Phenomenal ordination service. Uh, David Graves, who was the general superintendent, did some great preaching as well. And, uh, and I just love Pastor David. He was the first guy who wasn't my dad that I called pastor. And so I love when he gets to be a part of these things for us. It's so good to see him. But I wanted to come today with this prayer. I thought we're in a series of honest prayers and I I I don't know I I don't know if you can hear the honesty in Paul's voice some people talk about how this this book of Ephesians really does chapter 1 through 3 is all about theology and then 3 and following is about practice but really if you read the book of Ephesians most of the book is a prayer it's Paul praying for God's glory and then our prayer that we've heard today and so really, I want to kind of just go through this, if that's okay. I, I don't really have a sermon. As much as I would love to piggyback as a pastor to the people who have, God has called me to, you all, to say this is the call of God in our lives together. This is not just me. It's not just you. But us together. So can you hear this? If Is it okay if we just go through this without slides and without Greek? Well, who am I kidding? Greek words are going to happen. <laughs> but I, I want you to hear an honest prayer from your pastor. For you and for us together. Let's just go at verse 14. Paul says, for this reason I kneel before the Father, from whom every family in heaven and on earth derives its name. Now, the interesting thing that I found about that is I kneel before the Father. You and I kind of take for granted this kneeling before the Father, uh, because we have altars and those kinds of things. And somehow it's just become a part of the ethos of the church. It's just kind of who we are that we understand it's okay to kneel before God. But for Paul, a good Jew, the posture of prayer is to stand and to have hands open as you pray. They're actually more charismatic than some of you all are. This is the posture of prayer. And yet Paul says that he in this time, in this prayer that he wants to pray for that church or those churches, if this is a circular letter, that Paul might be praying for us is that he takes a different posture than the normal posture. And of course, kneeling is a posture of surrender. Kneeling is a posture of reverence. Kneeling is a posture that says, you are in authority and I am here to do what you ask, oh God. But there are some scholars who say, even though it does, and the Greek is very specific, I bend my knee before the Father. Wonder if he also meant by this that he is driven to his knees by the weight of this kind of prayer, what he longs for this church to understand. And that kind of praying I really get. It's not every day. But if I'm honest, there are seasons... Where I simply feel like I just am driven to my knees by the weight of our life together. And I want you to know I'm not complaining about that. I think that's good. I think that's, that's the way pastoring is supposed to go. And there are days when I was reading that, I just, it gripped me. Yeah, I've had those days where I just feel like the only thing I can do is to bend the knee. And sometimes I'm not sure if it's I am the one bending it or it is the weight that is just driving me to my knees. But it's the place where I say, okay, God, this, this is yours. What are we going to do here? The other thing that strikes me about this is that the Ephesians was written from prison. Now there's debate on whether Paul was in Rome in one of the great prisons of his day where there would have been just absolute squalor. Gross. Not They didn't rinse it out. They didn't come with Uh, Hand sanitizer once one prisoner was gone and the next one came in they just left it Forever The last place I think I'd want to be is on my knee and if you're a good Jew who who worries about being pure and all of those kinds of things, do you hear and sense the urgency of what Paul is saying if he's in that kind of gross dirtiness that he is still praying for this church and his burden for this church to understand something drives him to his knees and he doesn't care if it's gross when his knees hit the floor. It's that kind of burden. There are other scholars who believe it was maybe house arrest. Which would mean that he had, you know, some of the natural things of a day, but he would have to be chained to a Roman guard who had a sword. And my hunch is if you and I were chained to somebody with a sword, we'd probably want to do the least, in, the least inconvenient thing for them. I mean, can you imagine being chained to somebody who all of a sudden just drops to their knees and starts praying? You'd probably be like, oh, come on, you know, are you done? And yet, Paul, in his burden for this church to understand something, is willing to look silly in the eyes of someone who has power over him, is willing to inconvenience them because he is so burdened for this church to understand something. And he's not going to. He's not going to just do the conventional thing. He's going to do something that gets him into a posture where he knows where real authority lies. He goes on. Let's look at verse 18. I pray that out of his glorious riches, he may strengthen you with power through his spirit in your inner being so his prayer then is is very uh, trinitarian we heard this a little bit out at uh, out at camp meeting Meaning he's he's incorporating all of how we as Christians understand God. God as Father and Son and Holy Spirit. And so he prays to the Father through whom all the families of heaven and earth, in other words, all the cosmos derives its name, is made and, and held by him and in him and through him. And he prays that out of his, the Father's glorious riches, he may strengthen you with power through his Spirit's. In your inner being, that means at the core of who you are. It doesn't just mean your soul, this thing that kind of waiting to get out of your gross body and fly out of here. But in the core of who you are, at the cellular level, at the deep, deep spiritual level, incorporating all of who you are, Paul's prayer is that you would be strengthened. That's a very pastoral prayer. I can't tell you how many times as I open up my prayer list and look through the directory and I I know some of your stories and what's going on that you're driven to your knees and you're simply praying, oh God, give them strength. And don't think this is just a pastoral thing and that I'm I'm, I'm up here patting myself on the back because I know your stories. And I know that for many of you, even some of you who are still watching online, I know that you pray this way for your family. I know some of you pray this way for your brothers and sisters. I know some of you pray this way for your colleagues and for people at work. I know some of you carry a burden that drives you to their knees so that they would know and experience the Spirit At the core of who they are. This is a prayer. Of a pastor to his people. He goes on. Why does Paul want them strengthened with power through his spirit at the core of who they are? Verse 17. So that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith. All right, Greek word. That word, dwell. Katoi, uh, it's uh, katoy kesai. Katoy Do you want to say that with me? One, two, three. Katoy kesai. Let's say it one more time. One, two, three. Katoy kesai. It means dwell. <laughs> it does but the way it is phrased and the ending that it holds it means that there is a permanency to this dwelling it's not airbnb jesus is not paul is not praying that jesus would come in spend a few days get you all cleaned up and then go on it is i'm praying that you're strengthened with his spirit at the core of who you are, so that Jesus Christ himself might dwell permanently in your hearts. Is that good news? This is something that we hold to in our tradition as Nazarenes. We we use all kinds of different words. Perfect love, uh, entire sanctification. We use all these words, but this is what it means, that Christ dwells permanently in our hearts. Not here today, gone tomorrow, might come back again next weekend. But permanently in our hearts as Lord, as King. Paul is praying, he's driven to his knees so that this may happen for this church. And I pray that for you. But there's, he wants to, wants to make sure we understand what this means. Because especially for us nowadays, it's kind of like, okay, yeah, yeah, Jesus is in my heart. Good. And, and there's been a lot of good that has come out of that kind of Billy Graham, uh, Billy Sunday movement. About inviting Christ into your heart. Don't get me wrong. But in some ways, in the beauty of that simplicity, we have maybe oversimplified it to where that inviting Christ into your heart has lost its significance. In some ways. What Paul is praying for this church and for us today is quite radical. And he wants to spell all of that out. But first I want to draw your attention to the word faith. So that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith. The Greek word is pistuos. It means faith. The second meaning of the word is faithfulness. And sometimes it's interchanged. Faith or faithfulness. More often it's listed as faith. Today, I want to push us a little. I feel like I want us to understand that faithfulness side. Because in our post-enlightenment world, in your post-enlightenment world, I didn't know if you know this, but we live post-enlightenment. And the enlightenment happened a long time ago, but we're still feeling the effects of it today. And that is that we moved the center of where we move and live and have our being from this area, this area, to this area. And we began, even with our faith, to begin to think that faith is all about, can I memorize the Apostles' Creed? And can I hold the right beliefs in my head about Jesus, or about God, or about the church, or about communion, or you know, just list off all the things? And don't get me wrong, there's nothing wrong with that. But post-enlightenment, we seem to have built a small wall right about here. And this never traverses that 12 to 15 inch distance down into our hearts where Christ is called to dwell. And we can believe a lot of things up here and we can never see it work its way out here. And so... I'm wondering if in some instances when we make that transition from Greek pistuos to faith, if in our post-enlightenment era, we need to hear a little bit more about faithfulness. Because faithfulness is faith worked out into our very lives. To where we live as if Christ were in our hearts, fully, permanently dwelling. We begin to see that. All right, now I'm preaching and I told you there wasn't going to be a sermon. (laughs) He goes on. And I pray that you, being rooted and established in love. Rooted and established. Paul, I don't know what, what was going on for Paul. I wasn't able to find something out about this. But he uses two words. Rooted and established. And that word for established really means... The foundation so he uses a planting metaphor and he uses a building metaphor i'm wondering maybe maybe the church in ephesus had a lot of farmers and builders but however you say whatever one works for you he wants you to be rooted if that's the metaphor that captivates you and you know that roots need to go down strong strong into soil then that 's what I want you to that 's the metaphor I want you to have I, I I am blessed in our neighborhood with a lot of mature trees. I have to remind myself that that 's a blessing, usually in the spring and fall because we have silver maples and silver maples put down seed pods at the very beginning of spring, and then they put down the leaf pods before the leaves come out, and then things drop out of them and squirrels chew the branches so that more of it drops into my yard, and then the leaves in fall turn a beautiful color for about four days. And then the wind comes and knocks all of those into my yard, and I have to scoop them out, and then it drops just for fun, it drops even more of those little spinny things. So right now, with all the rain we've had, I have a forest, a mini forest of silver maples in my backyard. And if you were to come over, you will see me constantly going down and just getting rid of the forest. And I'm sure if I wasn't there living in my house, my backyard grass would be maple trees. But the thing is, they're not rooted yet. And it's real easy to just, And they're about that big. Paul says, I, I don't want you to have Christ in your hearts and I don't, I don't want you to be rooted in love like that. I, I want those roots to go down deep into the soil. I want them to spread out in love. I want them to drink deep of the love of Christ. I want, I want them to be planted and secure and so that when winds and storms come, you know where you're rooted and grounded. And that's what I want for you, church. May surprise you I've been accused of talking too much about love. But I believe it will change the world. And Paul wants you rooted and grounded in that. I understand that as a pastor. But if building's your thing, and I know we've got a few builders here. He, he wants that foundation that's laid. And back then, of course, they used timber, but they also used stone. And so you want that foundation solid. You want it down, dug down deep. You want those, nowadays, we want those rods down through it. We want cement. We want everything that is there to hold back the water that we keep having. You want it to hold your house up. Paul says, if that's your metaphor, that's what I want for you when it comes to the love of Christ. I want you to put, be able to put all of your weight, all of your trials, all of your struggles, all of the things that are necessary, I want them to be rooted and grounded in the love of Christ. Another Greek word. The word for love here is agape. So it's not just a feeling. Oh, hooked on a feeling. It's not that. If we see the way Jesus interpreted agape, we see that it is the love that sacrifices for the other. That we heard so beautifully at camp meeting. If you guys didn't go to camp meeting, go on the Facebook page and watch. Tuesday night in particular, powerful. Washing feet. Like not just telling someone they look nice in their dress. I mean, that's, that's good. But agape is washing someone else's feet. No matter who they are. To sacrifice for someone else is agape. One of the other pastors who wrote letters would say, and this is agape. That while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. Paul wants this church, and as a pastor, I want our church to be so rooted and grounded in sacrificial love. The love of Christ. The love that Christ showed us, that is what Paul is praying. And that is why he says, we need the full measure of the Spirit in us to strengthen us so that this Christ may permanently dwell in our hearts. That we might be rooted and cemented in this kind of love. He goes on. That you, being rooted and established in love, may have power. So there is a power to this kind of love. That that you may have power together. So it's not just power for me. It's power for we. That when we are... When we are rooted and grounded, cemented into this kind of love, there is a power to it. This is not some namby-pamby, oh, I just love everything. No, there is a strength, there is a power in the fact when you and I together, when we as a church are rooted and cemented into the self-sacrificing love that Christ showed us that is powerful in our world. And He wants us to to know that together with all the Lord's holy people so it's not just our church either it's all of the Lord's holy people you mean first assembly across the street yep you mean st monica's up on kilgore yep you mean the lutheran church down here yep it's all means all all the lord's holy people to grasp Last Greek word, and it's a tongue twister. I won't have you say it. Kata lambaste. Kata lambaste. It's Paul putting two words together. First word, kata, means thoroughly. Thoroughly. Everybody say thoroughly. That means all the way through. And the last one means Grasp. That's that's why I I hate it that they just translated it, just grasp. Because it feels like, okay, well, I'll just reach out and take it. Something off the shelf, love of Christ, put it in my basket. No, no, it is to grasp thoroughly. And, and, And when he uses this word, this grasping thoroughly, we're not quite sure, is it I who am grasping it, or is it I who am being grasped by the love of Christ? in the midst of what He is calling us to do, to be rooted and grounded in this, I want to grasp it. I want to have it thoroughly within me. It's not just for my head. It's not just for my heart. It's for all of me, all the way down to the core. That's why I need the strength of the Holy Spirit to open all of who I am, that Christ might dwell in my heart permanently. This is a powerful prayer from a pastor. What does he want, this little church? What does he want us? What does he want you, student? You, child, you, parent, you, worker. What does he want you to be grasped by or thoroughly grasped? How wide and how long and how high and how deep is the agape love of Christ? And to know this love that surpasses knowledge. have you have you been grasped ever by how wide the love of Christ is when when i got to this part of the prayer i just had to pause and i just had to kind of lay some things aside and think about that can i can i confess as a pastor Sometimes even pastors are selfish. Sometimes pastors have pride. We want to do the cool thing. We want to play the right guitar, wear the right threads, sing the right songs, preach the right messages, get a thousand likes on my sermons. That I can remember back into my past. And why the love of Christ would come to a young teenager struggling with all kinds of self-esteem issues. I mean, it hurts to lose your hair at 18. (laughs) and To look like you're 55 when you're 20. Why the love of Christ would come and call someone like me to do something like this with people like you. His love must be very wide. And I began to think beyond that because it's really tempting in our day and age to think about the wideness of the love of Christ for me. And if I'm really good, I might include my family. I might include my friends. But that's not the love of Christ that Paul is talking about because that kind of thinking about wideness in that term doesn't require the full strength of the Holy Spirit. But boy, it sure does when we hear Jesus' words that say, Love your enemies. And we begin to let Jesus push the boundaries out so it's not just the people we like, but it's all the people that we remember that John 3.16 said, For God so loved the world. And that word that we translate world is the word cosmos. For God so loved the cosmos. So how big is the cosmos? Huge. Are you in the cosmos? Is everyone in the cosmos? Do you begin to see why we're going to need the strength of the Spirit with Christ dwelling permanently in our hearts if we're ever going to thoroughly grasp the wideness of the love of Christ? It's not easy. But that's not the only adjective he uses. He goes on and says he wants us to know how wide, but also how long. You know, it's really easy to be patient with somebody else's kids when you know they're going home. So you can, you can just kind of mm, nod and smile and, oh, they were great, and send them on home. That's not the long that Paul is getting at. When he wants us to wrestle with how long is the love of God. It means that the love of God has been from the Garden of Eden when He created all that there is. And when human beings decided to take things into their own hands, oh, there were consequences and that was part of love, but there was also preparation for where they were going and He clothed them and He sent them out. And He never has given up on humanity from that day until this day. And that love will continue on for as many generations as is necessary so that Christ can dwell not only in our hearts, but forever in our worlds. When the kingdoms of this world have become the kingdoms of our Lord and of His Christ. And He shall reign forever and ever. That's the length of the love of Christ. And it's going to take the Spirit strengthening us so that Christ can dwell permanently in our heart. For us to be fully grasped by how wide and how long is the love of Christ. But that's not it. It also says high, how high. Sometimes we think that we're down so low and the mountain is so tall. And yet the prayer here is that Oh tall mountains are pretty small in light of the cosmos. How high, how far away is the furthest star? Even there, his love is beyond and holding and encapsulating. There is no place so grand and glorious that you can move away from the love of Christ. And lastly, how deep. I don't know about you. But I've had some things in my life, some sin, some shadowness, some shallowness. That sometimes you begin to wonder, can God's love find me down here? And so Paul wants this little church to understand not just how wide and how, how long and how deep and how high, but how deep the Father's love is. For us, and I am so grateful that as a child and on certain occasions in my teenage years and through college began over and over and over again to see just how deep God's forgiveness and love and mercy and compassion can go. And just like the wideness of this, I think Paul's prayer is not just for you to understand how deep it is for you, but that it should be a lens through which we need the strength of the Spirit, and we need Christ in our hearts dwelling permanently, and we need all of that strength to see how deep it is for someone else, that there is no one so deep into sin or destructive patterns or habits or addictions that God's love cannot find them and make a difference in their lives life. No one. So that means then that you and I are called to go with this good news that we've experienced. How wide, how long, how high, how deep is the love of Christ? And to know, I'm not going to bother you with greek words but that that word is the connotation paul's probably using as a good jew the word yada from hebrew which means active knowing not know about knowing intimately knowing i know everything about this i've been i've been i'm interacting with it it's changing me it's shaping me it's like a marriage relationship With this love of Christ, the sacrificial love of Christ that surpasses knowledge. That you all may be filled to the measure of all the fullness of God. That's an honest pastoral prayer. I know our time is, is fading away. Thank you online for staying with us. But this is a tall order, is it not? For you, for me, to be fully grasped by how wide and how long, how high and how deep is the love of Christ. And I know it's a tall order. But somehow some ways throughout my life there have been those moments where I have experienced how wide and how long and how high and how deep is the love of God and that is what Paul is calling you and I to. Again, not the knowing about, but the knowing, deeply knowing, the experiential knowing of this kind of love changes everything. And I'm not sure if you and I will ever get to know this fully. I believe it's possible. But I believe there needs to be some longing for it. But I am convinced that if we say just that one little yes, God, come and do this, that Paul's Uh, Remaining prayer comes true because we're praying not just to someone who wants to encourage us, but we're praying to Him who is able to do immeasurably more than all we could ask or imagine according to His power that is at work within us. That means you. That means us. Me. That means us together. To Him be glory in the church and in Christ Jesus throughout all generations forever and ever. Amen men. Wow. You you could read that prayer like every day for the rest of your life, and I don't know that you'd plumb the depths of it. Well, that's my prayer for us as I leave to go on vacation. And in my love for you all, I want to say folks, It's time for us to be fully grasped by this kind of love. I know it is hard to invite people. I know in our day and culture it's not easy to talk about Jesus. But when you've experienced this kind of love, you just wind up doing it. Because it's what you know. It's what you you've been grasped by, it's what you've seen. We talk about we're human beings, we talk about what we love, don't we? You talk about your kids. You talk to me long enough, I'll talk to you about Caicos Mexican restaurant up on Cork, and I am blessed to live in, in walking distance. We talk about the food we love, we talk about the sports we love, we talk about the games we love. Why can we not talk about the Savior that we love, whose love is wider than we can ever possibly imagine, that is longer than we could ever imagine, that is higher and deeper and can save the world? Maybe it's because, maybe be because we've made Jesus into just an insurance policy. I, I, don't, I rarely talk to anybody about insurance. Maybe my agent, like every other year. And in some ways, sometimes the church and its zeal for converts has turned Jesus just into an insurance policy for something when I die. But Paul's prayer is that right now, he kneels before the Father He's driven to his knees and he doesn't mind if it's dirty or inconvenient. He drops to his knees because he wants us, church, to understand. He wants us to be filled with the Spirit that Christ may dwell permanently in our hearts. And that we might be grasped, rooted and grounded and thoroughly grasped by the love of Christ. And that we might go out declaring what we love and how wide it is and how long it is and how high it is and how deep it is knowing that this will change the world. Why? Because it's changed us. Are you needing to respond to this love today? If you're online and you're saying, I want to grasp this kind of love Write something in the comment, go on our our website, send me an email. I want to know, I want to help you, I want to pray with you on that. But here today, you in the building have an opportunity. Are you feeling like Paul, called to bend the knee? And to pray that you would know, be filled with the Spirit, have Christ permanently in your heart praise team is going to come and sing that song all my life you have been faithful all my life you've been so good with every breath that I am able I will sing of the goodness of God well maybe you don't go back into your offices or school buildings singing but are you ready church when I get back from vacation we're starting a very practical message it's called win the day seven habits uh, that that come out of Scripture that's, that, that help folks. It's going to be very applicable to everyday life. Is there someone that you need to tell of the goodness, the wideness, the depth, the length, the height of the love of Christ and invite them to come to a very practical series that will help them in their everyday life? It's going to be about seven weeks. They can go, who are you going to invite? Who are you going to declare the goodness of God to? help the one who is able to do immeasurably more than all you could ask or imagine is ready to assist so I'm going to invite you to stand while they sing and if you need to come and bend your knee to pray that you would grasp this kind of love, young person teenager, student, whoever you are the altar is open and I know we don't do this often and we haven't done it a lot since COVID but I'm going to invite you to come if you just need to pray. If you just need to say, God, I need the strength of the Spirit. I need the sense that Christ is dwelling permanently in my heart. I want to know what this prayer is all about. Then you come. Let's pray as we close. Father, we're grateful for this ancient prayer. that reminds us of what we're called to and what we can experience in and through you. Father, help us not to settle for just an insurance policy, but for an experience of resurrection life filling us to the core of who we are, our inner being. Pray that you would day by day amaze us, shock us with how wide your love is. How long your patience is. How high your greatness of your love is. And how deep is its transforming power and ability. May we be a church that has that kind of loving power. And may we see our communities, our jobs, our schools, our communities, our world change through it pray and we ask these things through Christ our Lord who lives and reigns with you in the Holy Spirit, one God forever and ever. Amen. Would you receive this blessing? If those are praying, you may continue to pray. My brothers and sisters, may you be filled with the Spirit that Christ may dwell permanently in your hearts. grasped by how wide and how long, how high and how deep is the sacrificial love of Christ. May it fill us as we go and cause us to share with those around. I know this. I pray to the one who is able to do immeasurably more than all we could ask or imagine. And now, may there be glory in Christ Jesus and in the church forever and forever. Amen. God bless you. Go in his power of his love. Thank you for joining us online. Have a great week. We'll see you next week. God bless you. Thank you for tuning in to Cross Communities Podcast. We hope you will join us next week.